and welcome to another episode of All the Webs a Stage, a short play podcast. My name is Stephen Thomas, and I'll be your host. Joining us today as a guest, we have Erica Fergiuelli. We have written two plays inspired by tweets written by Stuart Wellington and Maria Cuomo Cole. here today with Erica Fergiuelli. Erica, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. First, so Erica, you uh, got in touch with me because of the quarantine bake-off. And I'm curious, my first question for you is, did you participate in all three of the bake-offs or was there just one or two that you did? How many did you participate in? I did two rounds. I did the first round, which was the, was like kind of a quarantine theme. It was hand sanitizer and an empty venue and things like that. I actually wrote a musical for that one on oh. like nine hours. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was kind of ill-advised, but I did I did manage it. And then the second round I didn't do because I was writing a different play that was due for something else. So I had to, gotcha. had to bow out of that one. And then the third round I did do um, and I ended up writing a play about a community theater uh in uh in oxford uh in 1606 in shakespeare's time so Mm, okay yeah Uh, this will be coming out in like two months this episode but Mm -hmm. at this time of recording we're three months into self-isolation and such like that what have you found to do during this time besides writing plays uh besides writing plays yeah (laughs) Well, I'm also a musician, so I've been writing music, and um, I actually uh, have been working on my video editing skills as well. I I perform in a New York-based uh, ensemble, a music ensemble, and so we've been trying to figure out new ways to reach our audiences. So I've been kind of running social media campaigns and um, creating little videos and little kind of uh, snippets for our audience members. Um, I've been making latte art. That's really fun. <laughs> latte art. Oh, fun. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, at home or do you yeah. happen to be a barista? Oh, no. I'm okay. just at home. It would be much easier if I were a barista, surely. But I just have my like little <laughs> my little milk Ideally, <laughs> you would have more practice if you were a barista because hopefully you're not making enough drinks at home to get really good at that. <laughs> well, that's the thing about quarantine is you do things that you thought you would never have time for and thought you would never ever be good at. And now, not that I'm any good at it, let's be clear, but <laughs> it's just those things you're like, well, you know, now that I have a few extra hours to kill, I could actually do that random thing that I thought I would maybe one day do. So... That's fair. That's fair. I, uh, yeah, I picture if I ever tried to, I was a Starbucks barista for a little while, but if I ever got Mm -hmm. experimental at all with latte art, it would have, everything would be a pine tree. (laughs) This is a pine tree. That's a pine tree. That's all I got for you. I've been making hearts. It's kind of the most advanced I get, which is like the classic one, but it's still really, really hard. (laughs) Yeah. No, like Monet paintings. Or anything like that. Although I'm sure... This looks like Starry Night. How did that happen? (laughs) Look, this belongs in the MoMA. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 
All right, now, Erica, I, I, I warned you about this uh, beforehand because you asked if I have any standard questions. So uh, let's get into what are your influences uh, when you sit down and you write a play or you write anything uh, creatively? Who or what has been a strong influence on what you put to paper? I would say I think it's changed over the years what influences me. I think when I was an undergrad, it was basically I have to write a play that's due in a week. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, since kind of graduating and and looking for inspiration sort of in the general world, I find that it's usually either a true story that someone has told me or that I have heard, or it's usually from watching another movie or a TV show. Usually whenever I'm watching something, I'll immediately start writing a part for myself, like a really good part. So Hmm. I'm kind of writing in my head as I'm watching and then Sometimes that character or that situation, um, you know, becomes a separate project, becomes a separate play. So I'm kind of always practicing in that sense because, you know, why be a playwright if you're not going to write fabulous parts for yourself? But (laughs) (laughs) true, true. An exercise in vanity. Now, uh, another question, um, because Erica, you and I have not uh, met before, so I'm not sure of your backstory itself. Where did you uh, end up going to undergrad? I was an undergrad at a Middlebury College in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Uh, did they have anything in terms of creative writing or playwriting at the college or was it a different focus? Oh, no, they have. I mean, they have a, a theater department there and there is a, a playwriting concentration. I was a, a dual major, a theater and film major. So I hmm. specialized in creative writing in both of those disciplines. And so for my thesis, I wrote a play and then in the fall and then I adapted it into a screenplay in the spring. So I kind of had my foot in both of those worlds. But yeah, the playwriting program uh, at Middlebury is very awesome. Shout out to my former advisor, Dana Yetten. Actually, they have a really cool rhetoric program there now, which is definitely related to dramatic writing. They've got this whole program called Oratory Now And it's about public speaking and rhetoric and really training people to speak uh, properly and to um, create arguments cohesively. And I think that's what a good play is. It's, you know, a well-crafted argument of one kind or another. So um, it's a really great program. And I had a really great time there. Now, your play is, number one, going to put my play to shame today. Um, (laughs) With, with the content, but that's not what I was going to say. It is on the longer side. So I want to get right into uh, okay. doing the shows right now. Gotcha. Now the title of your play is write about a piece of art that inspires you. Uh, and we have two different characters in the show. Do you have a preference over which part you want to play? I think I would like to play dot dot. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So I will be dash. And then uh, if you haven't, heard this in the past any relevant narration that needs to happen as to what's going on in the show i'm going to leave that to you as the playwright uh since you know the pacing of that okay so you mean um like stage directions etc yeah any any relevant stage directions that you think needs to be said and shouldn't just be clear from our own audio okay probably be very little actually i wrote it so that it could 
be well performed in an audio setting. Um, but I'll probably just read the the very first part. And okay. so then uh, we'll start here in just a second. But once again, this is write about a piece of art that inspires you. And the Twitter quote uh, that was in here was taken from Stuart Wellington at wait at Flophouse Cat, I believe is his is his handle. But yes, Stuart Wellington, uh, thank you for inspiring the show and uh, listen for your sentence. At Rise, a bare stage. Perhaps there are empty frames representing various works of art hanging from the ceiling or on the walls. Perhaps not. Dash enters in a hurry, followed closely by Dot. Dash stops short to look at a painting. Dot practically rams into them. What do you think of this one? Uh... You're right. This woman looks possessed. Her intensity is terrifying. How about this one? What is this for again? Uh, yeah, too abstract. I can't believe people get away with putting two lines in paper and calling it art. Well, that that's a Kandinsky, but anyway. Uh, what is this for again? Just a school assignment. We're in all the same classes, and none of them are art history. It's a, an independent study. <laughs> Clearwater doesn't have independent studies. We barely even have textbooks. Maybe I enjoy the occasional arts and culture jaunt. You don't. Fine. It's for a college essay. I didn't know you were applying to colleges. Well, I am, and this essay is due at midnight tonight, and I have to write about a piece of art that inspires me, and this is just confusing. Why would you need that many paperclips? Which one do you like? It doesn't matter which one I like. It's your essay. But you're so much better at this stuff than me. Is that why you dragged me here at 9am on a Saturday? Because I am not writing this thing for you. I let you cheat off of me since we were 10. And where did cheating get us? <sighs> no closer to anything good, that's for sure. And why didn't you tell me you were applying to colleges? That's something you tell your best friend. What about this wire sculpture of a, um, of a toad eating a sandwich? D does that inspire anything in you other than nausea? This makes no sense. Oh, 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 how about this one? Uh, it's only slightly disturbing if you squint. You could probably write a good essay about squinting. <laughs> you can write a good essay about anything. Okay, I'm leaving. No, 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 wait! I'm not doing your work for you again, It's Dash. for you! What are you talking about? I'm not applying to college. You are. I, I, I filled out an application for you. And the only part left is the essay. But, but I can't write as well as you can, so you need to do it, and you need to do it before midnight. No. Yes. Isn't this piece of burlap with holes just fascinating? You, you could write a frickin' symphony about this thing. You, you can spin yarn into gold, turn water into wine, turn a childhood of shooting tin cans and stealing liquor into a life that matters. What happened to our dream of owning our own bar? We're going to renovate the dump on Taylor Street, make this town into something more than an eyesore, make up crazy cocktail menus. Why did we save up all that money for years recycling bottles and chauffeuring Mrs. Bertram and her hairless cat everywhere? Doesn't that dream 
matter? Do the promises we made to each other not matter to you? The money is gone. What? Our savings. They're, they're gone. What do you mean, gone? I, I spent them. On what? They pulled my dad over last night. He, they claimed he had drugs in the car, threw him in jail, and set his bail at $3,000. I had no choice. That was our seed money for the bar. He's my dad! So our dream is dead. Just like that. We've been saving that money since we were 13. We'll never be able to afford the renovation now. What was I supposed to do? He's the only parent Lucy and I have, and if he doesn't work, we don't eat. We'll figure something else out. Dot, I I did figure it out. I I wrote your application, which was easy, by the way, because I know you better than I know myself. And, And you're going to write this essay and turn it in and go on to college and forget about all of us and go live a good life. You don't get to decide this for me. You're not going to decide it for yourself, are you? This town has you brainwashed because we're all screw-ups, but this is your ticket out. Don't screw this up for yourself just because you've been screwed over your entire life. Dot, don't you see? You're going to get out of here. You're going to run the world. Fine. Plan B. We could both get out of here. Travel the country. (laughs) Why not? You said you've always wanted to know what Cleveland was like. I... I can't leave. Let's go tomorrow. Let's go tonight. I'll I'll borrow my dad's car. No. I I need you to sit down and meditate on this floral arrangement and, and, and write a poem about it or something. We need a tent, right? For camping? And sleeping bags? And shampoo? And snacks? Would you stop packing and start writing? You know, you can even dictate. All right. Just just speak off the cuff. Smart stuff. College stuff. We could head east. Yellowstone, Badlands, eat in tiny weird-themed diners and meet vagabond hippies. And we'll go all the way to the East Coast, to New York. We always swore we'd see New York someday. Don't you remember? You wanted to see a Yankees game, and I wanted to see the MoMA. To see Starry Night by Van Gogh. That one's my favorite. Even though it's active and alive, it's still so peaceful, you know? Even though you can see the stars here well, it it just feels empty. I mean, it's just all these masses of gas and rock when you get down to it. Why do people want to go to space so badly? There's nothing there. In that painting, there's something there. Van Gogh didn't know that the very active painting was more important than what he was painting. That we can always look at the stars, but what's amazing is seeing the way he saw the stars. They said he was mad. Depressed, upset, alone. The archetype of a tortured genius. But that's a myth. You don't have to be alone to abhor being lonely. And you don't have to be a genius to be creative. It's not a burden or a, a blessing to be creative. It's something you just have to do. You can tell from his brushstrokes how raw he was, how he didn't filter or fuss or act precious. He managed somehow to bypass the inaction, the hesitancy that claims so many artists before they're even born. 
And I think that's where his true genius lay. And when I think of that painting, when I think of what it must be like to see it in person, I feel warm, a glow. I see a gift to the world from a man who took so little, received so little, but whose ability to live life was far beyond what many of us will ever know. Because anyone can look at the stars, but few people really, really see them. So what do you say? Let's leave tonight. Dash, say something. I think that's about 500 words. Uh, I didn't get all of it, but I got a lot of it. And most of it, I, I think, I just, you know, it edited a little and you should be good. It's it's really beautiful, like like everything you write. Why are you being so stubborn? Why don't you want to follow our dream? The bar was hardly a dream. It was a story we told ourselves to keep from going crazy. Can you honestly tell me you'd be satisfied if that's all your life amounted to? We needed something to look forward to as kids. Well, now you have something to actually look forward to. And and if you don't do it for yourself, do it for me. If our places were reversed, you can be sure as hell I'd be out of here without a second thought. (laughs) What's stopping you then? Your jailbird dad? Staying here isn't going to help him be less of a deadbeat. Look, you better write that essay. And you better hope it works. Because I don't want to see you again. Dash... Come back. I'm I'm sorry. Dot is left alone, distraught, in tears. After a moment, Dot sits down and begins writing. End of play. So that was right about a piece of art that inspires you. And once again, thank you to Stuart Wellington for inspiring that. <laughs> we are going to move on to the play I wrote, which is titled Dropout. And it was inspired by a quote from on Twitter from Maria Cuomo Cole. For some reason, I don't have her at information here, but yes, Maria Cuomo Cole is the one that wrote this. So listen for your sentence in here. There are four characters just as an explanation for anyone who would want to do this show on stage First of all, the character of Euripides, which I'm not going to say over and over again, is supposed to be outside of the building, so therefore on a mic in offstage. And secondly, Euripides and the custodian should be played ideally by the same actor. So, question for you, which 
which two characters would you care to play for this version? First of all, that's so interesting that Euripides and the Custodian, that like changes everything about the play. <laughs> In my, sorry, side note. No, yeah, it, it's one of those things where I was like, it would really stink for an actor if they never showed up on stage. I've done it before, but it's always better when you get to show up on stage. So I was like, Custodian also barely is there, so why not combine mm-hmm. them? I've done that in my place too. So I think I'll play, if you really don't have a preference, I'll play Euripides and the Custodian then. Okay. Okay, yeah. Sounds and then we good. Clay and Plato. All right, so here we go. Dropout. Lights up to half. Interior, classroom. The door to the hallway is near the back of the stage. After a moment, someone collapses to the floor just outside of the classroom. Then the door opens. Clay, rubbing his shoulder, enters. Ah, we're clear. Plato comes down from the ceiling just upstage of the door, lands quietly. I sure hope so. Your shoulder okay? Yeah, yeah, I'll be all right. Well, that's the shoulder you threw out playing hockey, right? Yep. Lost my scholarship just before college. You you sure you'll be all right then? Oh, yeah, I, I... Reaggravate the shoulder all the time. I'll be good in like ah, ten minutes, an hour tops. You know, maybe you should sit down for a second at these tiny desks. <laughs> I wouldn't fit. Sit at the teacher's desk, you dummy. Ah, oh. yeah, I, I, I guess I could. Okay, now um. Which desk am I looking for? How would I know? He's not my kid. I wasn't asking you. Euripides, are you listening? Which desk? Yeah, I'm here. I lost you for a second when something terrible hit my headset. Are are you being attacked out there? What? No, I'm not under attack. I meant there was a sound that physically hurt. Did something happen in there? (laughs) Nothing major. Clay fell out of ceiling panels. Crashed right on a sh- bad shoulder. Are they okay? Do I need to get in there? No, no, I- I'm fine, Euripides. I- I'm fine. Clay's sitting at the teacher's desk right now, recovering. Ugh. Everybody's worrying about my messed up shoulder like I can't deal with it. I'm getting too many high school flashbacks. Euripides, you haven't answered my question. Which desk do we need to search? My son's. Yeah, I got that much. Where's his desk? Oh, jeez, I hadn't thought about that. I keep skipping those parent-teacher conferences. I kind of doubt the teacher would tell you exactly which desk is your son's anyways. I mean, that's not really important to the conversation. Well, it could be, though. What? Well, where your child sits in the classroom can have an effect on how they absorb information. You know, are, are they up toward the front or more toward the back? Which side of the classroom... Do they have a direct line of sight to the chalkboard? They still have chalkboards in those classrooms? Uh, no, 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 it's some sort of smart whiteboard thing. Still got an analog clock on the wall, though. I bet the time is off. Those clocks are never right. Well, I guess that depends on what time zone we're in. (laughs) Is it ever 2.15 somewhere in the world when it's 9.38 p.m. here? (laughs) I knew it. Wait, wait, Euripides, what's your kid's name? It's Chase. Why? Well, the desks have their names taped on them. 
Oh, hey, that makes things a little easier. Uh, do you do you see Chase anywhere? Uh, yeah, yeah, over there, third desk on the right. Oh, uh, that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll just no, no, hold on. There's a there's another Chase over there. What? <sighs> Fine, we'll, we'll just have to check both. Uh, and uh, th- those two as well. There are four Chases in that classroom. Why'd you give your son such a common name, Euripides? It wasn't common at the time. Well, (laughs) clearly it was, though. I mean, these kids are all roughly the same age. We didn't check online to find out what not to name our child, all right? We thought Chase sounded right for him. Guess a lot of other parents did, too. Clay, check those desks. I'll look at these two. Uh, How many pieces of paper are we looking for? I don't know, but all the important pages were bound in a green file folder. Um, nothing here. Uh, checking the second desk. Neither of these desks have anything in them. This one either. Do these chases not believe in preparedness? Uh, Euripides, is there anywhere else your son may have put it? I don't know. I don't know. It just, it has to be there. My wife said she thought the file was Chase's, so she put it in his backpack last night. And when he got home, it wasn't in the backpack. It has to be there. Why did you even bring that file home, Euripides? You know civilians like your wife and son should not have access to that material. Not the time, Plato. We we just need to get the file back. Then we can dole out blame. Oh, wait, wait. There's some backpacks back there. Um, hey, Rip. Uh, did did you see your son maybe grab the wrong backpack? Uh, I don't know. Maybe? I didn't think to check. Well, what color is his backpack? Blue, but like a turquoise blue. What? The, turquoise is a shade of green, not blue. Not important. Hey, check for turquoise bags. A light passes by the classroom door, as if someone is scanning with a flashlight. Wait, was that a flashlight? Someone's at the school? This late? I don't see any cars out here. Are you sure? Abort mission! Abort mission! What about the file? We can't leave without the file. Hello? Is someone there? Finding it does us no good if we're in jail. Quick, out the window! Clay and Plato exit via an open window. A couple of seconds later, the custodian enters through the door. Who's there? Anyone? Oh, great. One of the kids left a window open. The custodian goes over to close the window, but trips over a turquoise backpack. Oh, come on. Who leaves their backpack in the middle of the classroom? The custodian picks up the backpack, causing several things to spill out of the top, including a green folder. Oh, great. They left the zipper undone, too. Just fantastic. Well, little backpack, you'll be making a trip to Lost and Found. Sorry. The custodian throws everything that fell out back in the backpack, then exits. Lights out. Uh, All right, so that was Dropout. Uh, Thank you again to, what's the name? Maria Como Cole for inspiring this play. And Erica, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Is there anything you would like to plug that you are doing uh, so that uh, our listeners can uh, find stuff on the internet? Well, there's something that is happening tomorrow that will have already happened by the time <laughs> this is goes to air. Although I think it will still be available on the 
Facebook page. It's a, this group. They're called Tiny Theater, and it's a husband and wife duo who just like do plays in their closet. And um, they're doing uh, two of my plays tomorrow. Um, oh, wonderful. Yeah. So if you just go on Facebook, Tiny Theater, you'll find their website their, or their Facebook page. Their names are Rachel and Brendan and their their little um, profile pictures of their cat, Milo. So you'll recognize wow. it. <laughs> yeah. And so one of my plays, Yes, I Do And, is being performed by them tomorrow. So it's very exciting. It's probably one of the first times that my plays will be performed in quarantine other than this, of course. <laughs> well, one of the first times because this show won't, this won't happen. For... So <laughs> I, I like to be overly prepared. That's, that's very good. It's very good. <laughs> Erica, thank you so much once again uh, for joining us. We'll definitely have to check out tiny theater and uh, we'll send the audience that way uh, once it comes out. But uh, thank you once again and have a great rest of your day. Thanks. You too, Stephen. And that will do it for another episode of All the Web's A Stage. Thank you all for listening. A big thank you to Erica Fergiuelli for joining us today. And a thank you to Stuart Wellington as well as Maria Cuomo Cole for their Twitter inspirations. Be sure to check out Erica's other playwriting experiences at Tiny Theater on Facebook. Thanks, as always, to Daniel Blue Rodriguez for the thumbnail artwork, as well as Colin Vance for the amazing music you're listening to. You can find more of Colin's work at colinvancecreative.com. Thank you once again for listening, and we'll see you all in two weeks with another episode of All the Web's Stage. We are... Oh, actually, um, I'm going to keep it recording, but I forgot to ask... How do I pronounce your last name? Because I know I'm going to mess it up otherwise. (laughs) I'm interested to hear, first of all, how you think it's pronounced. Let me look at it again. Uh, (laughs) Oh, I... hmm. It's Italian, if that helps at all. I... hmm, (laughs) Fergilli. I don't think I'm even close. Close. (laughs) No, you're close. You're closer than a lot of people. Fergilli. Fergiuelli. Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay, so the G yeah. is, is a soft G. All right, Fergiuelli. Yeah, it's Italian, so you say every uh, letter, although it's since been Americanized, so <laughs> anyway. But yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. Fergiuelli. All right. Uh-huh. If you have a moment, head on over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes and leave us a rating, leave us a review, help us get the word out. If you'd like to comment on our show, uh, head on over to Twitter. I am at WebStagePodcast. 